0: Lesson 9 for February 22 to 28, From Contamination to Purification, read by Dr. Percy Harold. Sabbath Afternoon, February 22. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word shows us more about your character and about who you are, but also shows us what you plan for us. We look back at history, our Heavenly Father, and we look at this amazing prophecy we're going to discuss this week. We pray that as we open your word, your Holy Spirit will guide us, that we may see Jesus and his salvation as part of our reason for studying this word this week, we pray in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Daniel chapter 8 and verse 14. And he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Let's read that again, Daniel 8 verse 14. And he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. The vision reported in Daniel 8 was given to the prophet in 548 or 547 BC and it provides some significant clarifications about the judgment referred to in Daniel chapter 7. Unlike the visions of Daniel 2 and 7, the vision of Daniel 8 leaves out Babylon and starts with Medo-Persia, because at this time Babylon was in decline and the Persians were about to replace Babylon as the next world power. The vision of Daniel 8 parallels that of Daniel 7. The language and the symbols change in Daniel 8 because it brings into sharp focus the purification of the heavenly sanctuary in connection with the heavenly Day of Atonement. Thus, the distinctive contribution of Daniel 8 lies in its focus on aspects of the heavenly sanctuary. Whereas Daniel 7 shows the heavenly tribunal and the Son of Man receiving the kingdom, Daniel 8 shows the purification of the heavenly sanctuary. So, as the parallels between these two chapters indicate, the purification of the heavenly sanctuary depicted in Daniel 8 corresponds to the judgment scene of Daniel 7. Sunday, February 23, The Ram and the Goat Question. Read Daniel chapter 8. What is this vision all about, and how does it parallel what we have seen in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7? Daniel chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time i saw in the vision and it so happened while i was looking that i was in shushan the citadel which is in the province of elam and i saw in the vision that i was by the river ulai then i lifted my eyes and saw and there standing beside the river was a ram which had two horns and the two horns were high but one was higher than the other and the higher one came up last I saw a ram pushing westward, northward and southward, so that no animal could withstand him, nor was there any that could deliver from his hand, but he did according to his will, and became great. And, as I was considering, suddenly a male goat came from the west across the surface of the whole earth, without touching the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes.' Then he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing beside the river, and ran at him with furious power, and I saw him confronting the ram. He was moved with rage against him, attacked the ram, and broke his two horns. There was no power in the ram to withstand him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled him, and there was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. Therefore the male goat grew very great. But when he became strong, the large horn was broken, and in place of it four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast some of the host and some of the stars to the ground, and trampled them." He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this, and prospered. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices, and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled unto foot? And he said to me, For two thousand three hundred days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Then it happened, when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning, that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man— and I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Ulai, who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. Now, as he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he touched me and stood me upright, and he said, Look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation, for at the appointed time the end shall be. The ram which you saw having the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia, and the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation, but not with its power. And, in the latter times of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise, having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully, and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without human means. And the vision of the evenings and mornings which were told is true. Therefore seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward I arose and went about the king's business.' I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. As in Daniel 2 and 7, we are given here another vision of the rise and fall of world empires, though with a different kind of symbolism. This symbolism is directly related to God's sanctuary. In this case, the symbols of a ram and a goat are used because of their connection with the Day of Atonement sanctuary ritual, a time of judgment for ancient Israel. Rams and goats were used as sacrificial offerings in the sanctuary service, but only on the Day of Atonement are the two mentioned together. Hence, these two animals are intentionally chosen here to evoke the Day of Atonement, which is a major focus of the vision. As the vision unfolds, Daniel sees a ram pushing in three different directions, westward, northward, and southward in daniel chapter 8 verse 4 let's read that i saw the ram pushing westward northward and southward so that no animal could withstand him this triple movement indicates the expansion of this power so that no animal could withstand him nor was there any that could deliver from his hand but he did according to his will and became great that's the second half of daniel chapter 8 verse 4 As the angel explains, the ram with two horns represents the medo Persian Empire in verse 20. Let's just read that. The ram which you saw having the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. And the three directions most likely literally pointed to the three major conquests of this world power. Next, the goat emerges with a big horn, which represents the Greek empire under the command of Alexander the Great, verse 21, and the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. That the goat moves without touching the ground, as it says in verse 5, signifies that it is moving quickly. This symbolism conveys the rapidity of Alexander's conquest, which Daniel 7 presents as a winged leopard. But, as the prophecy indicates, when the goat became strong, the large horn is broken, in verse 8, and gives way to four horns, which extend to the four quadrants of the compass. This is fulfilled when Alexander dies in Babylon in June 323 BC, and his kingdom is divided among his four generals so to finish the day between daniel 2:38 and daniel 8:20 20 and 21 three of the four empires revealed in the visions have been named for us how should this amazing fact help confirm the correctness of our interpretation of these prophecies daniel 2 verse 38 reads and Wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. That's Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And then Daniel 8, 20 and 21. The ram which you saw having the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia, and the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. Monday, February 24, The Rise of the Little Horn Question, read Daniel chapter 8, verses 8 to 12 carefully. In which directions is this little horn moving, and why is this important to understand? Daniel 8, beginning at verse 8, Therefore the male goat grew very great. But when he became strong, the large horn was broken, and in place of it four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars of the ground to the ground, and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this, and prospered. After depicting four horns spreading to the four winds of heaven, the biblical text says that from one arose a little horn. The question here is whether this horn or power comes from one of the four horns, which, as we saw yesterday, represent the four generals of Alexander, or one of the four winds. The grammatical structure of the text in the original language indicates that this horn comes from one of the four winds of heaven. And since this power arises after the Grecian Empire and its four offshoots, a common understanding is that this horn is Rome. First pagan and then papal. The Seventh day of Venice Bible Commentary, Volume 4, page 841, reads This little horn represents Rome in both its phases, pagan and papal. Daniel saw Rome first in its pagan imperial phase, warring against the Jewish people and the early Christians, and then in its papal phase, continuing down to our present day and into the future. End of quote. According to the Bible text, the first horn first undertook a horizontal movement and grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land in Daniel 8 verse 9. These three directions correspond to the three major areas that fell under the domination of pagan Rome. As the little horn becomes the main player in the vision, its vertical expansion receives detailed Attention, In this regard, the horn corresponds closely to the little horn of Daniel 7, as the following comparison shows. 1. Both horns are little in the beginning. Daniel 7 and verse 8 reads, I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom Three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. And we compare that with Daniel 8, 9, which reads, And out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. Two, both became great later on, As we read in Daniel 7, verse 20, And the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth, which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. And once again, Daniel 8, and verse 9, And out of one of them came a little horn which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. 3 both are persecuting powers. Daniel chapter 7 verses 21 and 25. That reads, I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. And verse 25, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law, then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. And Daniel 8, verse 10 Which reads, And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground, and trampled them. And Daniel 8, verse 24. And that reads, His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully. He shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Number four. Both are self-exalting and blasphemous. We read this in Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up out of them, among them, before whom three of the little horns were plucked out by the roots, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. And chapter 7 verse 20, and that reads, And the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellow's, And verse 25, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times, and half a time. And Daniel chapter 8, verses 10 and 24, verse 10, and it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground, and trampled them and verse 24 his power shall be mighty but not by his own power he shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive he shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people Or, both are self-exalting and blasphemous, as we read in Daniel 7, verse 8, I was considering the horns, then there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots, and there in his horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous things. And verse 20, And the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up, before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth, which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. And verse 25. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and... Half a time. And Daniel chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. And it drew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground, and trampled them. And even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host. And by him the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And verse 25. Through his cunning he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without human means. 5 both target God's people as we read in Daniel 7:25 he shall speak pompous words against the most high shall persecute the saints of the most high and shall intend to change times and law then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time end chapter 8 verse 24 his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully, he shall prosper and thrive, he shall destroy the mighty, and also the holy people. Six. Both have aspects of their activity that are delineated by prophetic time. Daniel 7 verse 25. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. And chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices, and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, For two thousand three hundred days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. 7. Both extend until the time of the end. Daniel 7.25. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, and times, and half a time. And verse 26. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. And chapter 8, verses 17 and 19. So he came near where I stood, and when he came I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. And verse 19, and he said, Look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation, for at the appointed time the end shall be. And eight both face supernatural destruction. Chapter 7 and verse 11. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words with which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning fire. And verse 26, which reads, For the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it For ever and chapter 8 verse 25 through his cunning he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule and he shall exalt himself in his heart he shall destroy many in their prosperity he shall even rise against the prince of princes but he shall be broken without human means last because the little horn of daniel 7 represents the papacy the vertical expansion of the little horn in daniel 8 must represent the same power Thus, as in Daniel 7 and 2, the final main power is Rome, both pagan and papal. Tuesday, February 25, The Attack on the Sanctuary Question. Read Daniel chapter 8, verses 10 to 12. What kind of activity is the little horn depicted as doing here? Daniel 8, beginning at verse 10, And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host, and some of the stars to the ground, and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down because of transgression; An army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered in Daniel chapter eight, verse ten. The little horn attempts to replicate at the spiritual level the efforts of the builders of Babel as in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, and they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The terms host and stars can designate God's people in the Old Testament. Israel is designated the host or armies of the Lord in Exodus chapter twelve and verse forty one and it came to pass at the end of the four hundred and thirty years on that very same day it came to pass that all the armies of the lord went out from the land of egypt daniel also depicts god's faithful people as shining like the stars in Daniel 12, verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness and the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars for ever and ever. This is obviously not a literal attack on the heavenly bodies, however, but a persecution of God's people, whose citizenship is in heaven as we read in Philippians 3, verse 20. Although thousands of Christians were murdered by pagan emperors, the focus now is on the vertical activities of the little horn. Thus the ultimate fulfilment of this prophecy must be linked with papal Rome and its persecution through the ages. Also, Daniel 8.11 talks about a prince who is elsewhere mentioned in Daniel as Messiah the Prince in Daniel 9.25, Michael your Prince in Daniel 10.21, and Michael the Great Prince in Daniel chapter 12, verse one. No one but Jesus Christ could be the referent of this expression. Jesus Christ is the Prince of the aforementioned Host and our High Priest in Heaven therefore the papacy and the religious system it represents obfuscates and attempts to supersede the priestly role of jesus in daniel chapter 8 verse 11 the daily sacrifice is a reminder of what happened in the earthly sanctuary to designate the various and continual aspects of the ritual services including sacrifices and intercession It is through these services that sinners are forgiven and sins are dealt with in the tabernacle. This earthly system represents Christ's intercessory ministry in the heavenly sanctuary. So, as the prophecy predicts, the papacy exchanges the intercession of Christ for the intercession of priests. By means of such counterfeit worship, the little horn takes away Christ's intercessory ministry and symbolically casts down the place of Christ's sanctuary. And he shall cast down to the ground. He did all this and prospered, Daniel 8 verse 12. Jesus declares himself to be the truth in John 1. 14 and verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And also points to the word of God as truth in John 17 verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. In contrast, the papacy prohibited the translation of the Bible into the language of the people, put the interpretation of the Bible under the authority of the Church, and placed tradition alongside the Bible. In theory, but in practice, tradition is placed above the Bible as the supreme rule of faith. So, to finish the day... What should this study tell us about how important the knowledge of biblical truth really is in contrast to human traditions? Wednesday, February 26, The Cleansing of the Sanctuary Question, read Daniel chapter 8, verse 14. What happens here? Daniel 8, verse 14, And he said to me for two thousand three hundred days, Then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. After the devastating attack of the horn, the announcement is made that the sanctuary will be cleansed. In order to understand this message, we must bear in mind that the cleansing of the sanctuary mentioned in Daniel 8 verse 14 corresponds to the judgment scene depicted in Daniel 7 verses 9 to 14, which reads... I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened." I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time.' And, since that judgment takes place in heaven, the sanctuary must be located in heaven too. Thus, while Daniel 7 portrays God's intervention in relationship with human affairs from a judicial perspective, Daniel 8 describes the same event from a sanctuary perspective. The earthly sanctuary was modelled after its heavenly counterpart, and served to illustrate the broad contours of the plan of salvation. Every day, sinners brought their sacrifices to the sanctuary, where the people were forgiven their confessed sins, as the sins were, in a sense, transferred to the sanctuary. As a result, the sanctuary became contaminated. Therefore, a periodic process of purification was needed in order to cleanse the sanctuary from the sins recorded therein. It was called the Day of Atonement, and took place once a year, as recorded in Leviticus chapter 16, and it's probably best if we read the whole chapter so the story grows. Daniel 16, beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord, and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die, for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering, and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash, and with the linen turban he shall be attired.' these are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on, and he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats, and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord, and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell, and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented live before the Lord, to make atonement upon it, and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine, and bring it before the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side, and before the mercy seat he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times." Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering which is for the people, bring its blood inside the veil, do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So he shall make atonement for the holy place, because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, and because of their transgressions, for all their sins. And so he shall do... For the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out, that he may make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the assembly of Israel. And he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it, and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat, and put it on the horns of the altar all around. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, cleanse it, and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And, when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, Confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions, concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Then Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of meeting, shall take off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his body with water in a holy place, put on his garments, come out, and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people, and make atonement for himself and for the people. The fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar. And he who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. The bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp, and they shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. Then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp.' This shall be a statute for ever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day the priest shall make atonement for you, to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute for ever, and the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes, the holy garments. Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you, to make atonement for the children of Israel, for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. Why should the heavenly sanctuary need cleansing? By analogy, We can say that the confessed sins of those who have accepted Jesus have been transferred to the heavenly sanctuary, just as the sins of the repentant Israelites were transferred to the earthly sanctuary. On the earthly Day of Atonement, numerous animals were slain, symbolising the future death of Jesus, which is how sinners were able to stand in the Day of Atonement. And Just as that happened in the earthly Day of Atonement, when the sanctuary was cleansed, how much more so in the heavenly, when Christ's blood alone gets us through the judgment. The cleansing of the sanctuary, depicted in Daniel 8.14, is the heavenly counterpart of the earthly service, whose basic message is, as sinners, we need the blood of the Messiah to forgive us our sins and enable us to stand in judgment. And so, to finish the day, read Hebrews nine twenty-three to twenty eight. How do these verses reveal the salvation we have in Jesus through His sacrifice for us? So, Hebrews 9, beginning at verse 23, Therefore it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now, once, at the end of ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And, as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. Thursday, February 27, the prophetic timetable. Question, read Daniel chapter 8 verse 13. What is the question asked here and how does it help us understand the answer in the next verse? Daniel 8:13 Then I heard a holy one speaking and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? What is the timing of the 2,300 evenings and mornings? First, we must note that after Daniel is shown the ram and the goat, followed by the actions of and the damage caused by the little horn— the vision turns into a question in Daniel 8.13. This question is especially concerned with what will happen at the end of that prophetic period, as well as the duration of the entire vision. In addition, such a period cannot be limited only to the duration of the actions of the little horn, because the term vision includes everything from the ram to the actions of the little horn so this must be a long period of actual historical time. To the question, how long shall be the vision, that's the ram in Medo-Persia, goat in Greece, and the little horn and its actions, Rome, papal and pagan, the other heavenly being replied, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary will be cleansed, Daniel 8.14. As has already been noted, this period is so long because it begins during the time of the Medo-Persian Empire and extends through the timing of the Greek Empire and pagan and papal Rome, thousands of years. According to the historicist method of interpretation, as we saw in Lesson 1, this prophetic period should be calculated on the basis of the year-day principle, which means that the 2,300 evenings and mornings correspond to a time span of 2,300 years. Otherwise, the 2,300 days would amount to a bit more than just six years, an impossibly short time for all the events of the vision. Hence, the year-day principle must be in effect. Daniel 8 does not provide the information to allow us to calculate the beginning of this time period, which, of course, could establish its end. But Daniel 9 provides the crucial piece of information which we'll see in next week's lesson. So to finish the day. The 2,300 years of this prophecy constitute the longest time prophecy in the Bible. Think of it. 2,300 years That's a long time Especially in comparison to How long we live now How can this contrast Help us learn to be patient with God And in our own anticipation Of the timing of final events Friday, February 28. Below is a chart summarizing what we've looked at so far regarding the sequence of kingdoms depicted in Daniel 2, 7, and 8. What does this tell us about the cleansing of the sanctuary? And there's a table here with three columns for Daniel 2, next to Daniel 7, next to Daniel 8. For Daniel 2 and 7, the first line has Babylon. For Daniel two, and seven, and eight, we have Medo-Persia in all three. And then for the next one, Greece in all three. Then for the next line, pagan Rome in all three. And then the next line, pagan Rome in... papal Rome in all three. For Daniel 2, the next line has nothing there. But in Daniel 7, there's judgment in heaven. Daniel 8, there's cleansing of the sanctuary. And the last line... For Daniel 2 has the second coming, and for Daniel 7 has the second coming. As we can see here, there are parallels between the chapters. Not only are the nations depicted in parallel to each other, the judgment seen in Daniel 7, which arises after the 1260 years, that's AD 538 to 1798 of Popal Rome, directly parallels the cleansing of the sanctuary, which in Daniel 8 arises after Rome as well. In short, this heavenly judgment in Daniel 7, the judgment that leads to the end of the world, is the same thing as the cleansing of the sanctuary in Daniel 8. We are given here two different depictions of the same thing, and both occur after the 1,260 year period of persecution perpetrated by the Little Horn Power. And that brings us to our two discussion questions for this week. 1. How does the chart above show us that the cleansing of the sanctuary, the same thing as the judgment in Daniel 7, must occur sometime after the 1260-year prophecy of the little horn, and yet before the establishing of God's final kingdom? 2. The prophecy of Daniel 8 depicts history as something violent and full of evil the two animals symbolising two world empires fight each other as we read in daniel eight verses eight to twelve therefore the male goat grew very great but when he became strong the large horn was broken and in place of it four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven And out of one of them came a little horn which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land, and it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground, and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. The little horn power that arises after them is a violent and persecuting power. We read this in Daniel eight twenty three to 25 and in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise, having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power." He shall destroy fearfully, and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes. But he shall be broken without human means. Thus scripture here makes no attempt to downplay the reality of suffering in this world. How should this help us learn to trust in God and His goodness despite the reality of evil we see all around us? Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled Testimony from the Tomb and it's written by Andrew McChesney of Adventist Mission. George Cobb is the man who died twice. Little is known about Cobb and no photos of him are known to exist, but his grave has attracted attention for decades because of his tombstone in a cemetery in Brunswick in the United States, state of Maine, bears a birth date and two death dates. It reads, Born, June 10, 1794, Died, November 10, 1848, Fell asleep, May 9, 1882. In fact, Cobb was baptised on November 10, 1848, and he asked that the date of his conversion be carved on his tombstone after he was laid to rest in the grave on... May 9, 1882, at the age of 88. This is one of the interesting examples again of the faith and willingness and the determination of our pioneers to share their faith in whatever means possible, including having something engraved on your tombstone that will share your faith after you have fallen asleep, says James Nix, director of the LNG White Estate. The tombstone includes text from the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Nix has sought to find a photograph of Cobb and to track down his descendants, but without success. I have looked high and low for a picture of Cobb, he said. I have asked up here, are there descendants of Cobb? I would like to know about this man who cared that much to leave instructions and money to carve all that extra text on his tombstone." Cobb's unique witness from the grave has touched the hearts of many people, including church members, who have stopped by the cemetery. He recognised that he needed to die to self, and then he truly could become alive, said 10 N.C. Wilson, President of the Worldwide Seventh-day Adventist Church. So he lived his life in a beautiful demonstration of the contrast between living a life for himself and dying to the old self and becoming a new creature in Christ. What a privilege to see his tombstone. Karen Glassford, a third-generation Adventist missionary who works as education and communication coordinator at the Church's Institute of World Mission, said that when she initially saw the tombstone, she suspected that the first death date might refer to Cobb's baptism. "'His tombstone has become such a witness to other people,' she said. "'It has made them curious. Why did he die twice?' I'm sure there will be people in heaven because of that man's tombstone. This lesson was read by Dr. Percy Harold for Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, Christian Record Services for the Blind, the Sabbath School Department and Hope Channel. You can also listen on the official Sabbath School 4 app and the Apple iTunes app Sabbath School with Percy Harold. Remember, God is always faithful.